Welcome to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and we are on the Michigan Business Network. And I want to talk a little bit about mental health and how we've seen some challenges with that, and also how the media has covered it, or perhaps hasn't covered it the way they need to. And I'm going to talk to a couple of experts in this segment. The first segment, we're going to talk with Dave Coleman, who is the lead pastor of William Free Methodist Church. Him and his wife, Kathy, have three daughters. Dave also enjoys hunting and fishing in the great outdoors. And Dave tells the best jokes that I've heard from any, uh, any minister or pastor ever. Dave, how are you, sir? I am good. It is an honor to be with you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, let's dive right into this. As, as I mentioned to you earlier, Dave, before we came on the air, I have heard several stories from parents about their kids from teachers about kids, from some adults who I've been working with and the mental health challenges that they've had during COVID, whether it's not at work and around people, whether it's not at school, whether it's uh, being masked up. And I, I, I wanted to get your perspective on, on what you've been seeing and what you've been hearing. And first, let's start with the, with the adults. What have you been seeing and hearing when it comes to mental health challenges? Sure, sure. Well, thank you, Tony. What a great question for, for the moment and for the time that we're living in right now. You know, as, as I look back, you know, through this journey that we've all been on, it, it seems like with, with the adults, and it, I think it transposes in some ways to, to the children, to the teens and to the children, it, it really began with, with a sense of kind of bewilderment and in counseling terms, a struggle to affirm reality. In other words, everybody kind of started out trying to figure out what we were dealing with, where was this heading, how long is it going to last, and is this really happening to us? So it, it began there, and then I would say the next phase that kind of set in as I viewed it from, uh, from my vantage point as a minister was a just very, very strong isolation of not only family members from family members, but family members from friends and family members from culture. And that isolation brought a sense of loneliness. It brought isolation from family members with different ideologies about how to handle this pandemic we're in. That led to anxiety and anxiety obviously led into depression and it's kind of been a downward spiral since then. So, We've kind of been discussing what I've seen and what you've seen, and I decided to do a little digging, and I went to KFF, which is a leading health and mental health and substance abuse resource for reports. And these three doctors, Naminta Pachal, Rebecca Kamal, and Cynthia Cox, as well as Rachel Gunfill, came up with a report titled The Implications of COVID-19 for Mental Health and Substance Abuse. Mm -hmm. And I just want to read one paragraph of the report. The COVID-19 pandemic and the resulting economic recession have negatively affected many people's mental health and created new barriers for people already suffering from mental health and substance use disorders. During the pandemic, about four in 10 adults in the U.S. have reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder, a share that has been largely consistent and up from one in 10 adults who reported these same symptoms from January to June of 2019. Now, the KFF health tracking poll from July of 2020 also found that many adults are reporting specific negative impacts of their mental health 
and well-being, such as sleeping difficulty, 36% of those they talk to, eating, 32%, and so on and so forth. So we're seeing an uptick in this. And what I'm curious about is when the churches and the schools were closed down, I wonder how much uh, of that hurt people. Well, I, th- I think it hurt them quite a bit. It was, a, it was a, a, a double hit. I think those with pre-existing coping problems, pre-existing disorders, you know, it, 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 it really stressed them out to the max that what they had been doing to cope with anxiety, depression, wasn't working anymore. In other words, it overrode the system in their, their life. And then it created a whole new set of anxiety depression disorders for people and certainly with young people who had never experienced it before. And so and had, sure, go ahead. Could, no, continue, Dave. Let's say, with your so thought. what I saw is that those with pre-existing disorder or challenges with anxiety or depression tried to double down on their coping systems that didn't work, that led them deeper into anxiety. And those experiencing disorders such as depression, anxiety, for the first time, Adults tried to cope in unhealthy ways. They tried to self-medicate with alcohol. I saw a lot of that. And then many of them did not know where to go with this new challenge in their life they'd never had before. And as, so, as you and I, Tony, healthcare also crashed during that time. And people weren't able to get in to see their primary care and get help. So it was a, it's been a hard road. All right. So when we come back, Dave, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, I want to talk about the implications of COVID with kids. Mm -hmm. I'm Tony Conley. You're listening to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with Pastor Dave Coleman, and we'll be right back. Thank you. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. And welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and you're listening to the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with Pastor Dave Coleman from the Williamston Free Methodist Church. And we've been talking about the implications of COVID and mental health on adults. Now we want to shift gears and talk about it with children. And one of the things, Dave, that we, we talked about in that first segment was the churches were closed. I know uh, for a time you were able to be online, but I wanted to talk about the youth ministry and, and how kids were dealing with that. I have talked with several parents of kids that I coach, the eighth grade basketball team I coach, as well as other parents with kids, my kids' ages, and there have been huge, huge mental health issues with, with kids. What are you seeing and hearing? The same thing. I see the same thing and just alarming, alarming issues with with teens and children uh, regarding depression, alarming issues regarding social relationships and knowing where they stand now in in their social relationships and their families' relationships. 
seen a lot of uh, what I would call adolescent anxiety because of fear of the future. And what does the future hold? And I'm very concerned because it, it seems to me in our, as so often in our school systems, through our teachers who are, have been valiant through this, there's still a lot of, of unknown and uncertainty to our teens and children. And that's spawning anxiety. You know, one of the things we have to give our kids is security in their life. And it, we've, we've struggled to do that and we're paying for it. In dealing with this last year with my own son, who's a freshman in college, but was a senior, I, I think he and his friends found a way to deal with it. In several instances, they would study at each other's homes. Groups of them would get together to watch class online. And one thing, you know, kids in video games take a, a hit, Pastor Dave, but what I've, what I've seen with the way they play video games now, they can be online. Mm-hmm. So they can see each other, they can talk, and I would hear my son a lot of times not talking about the video games. It was almost like his buddies were here. You know, what's your take on that? It, it's, you know, as, a, as an older guy at 60, 62 years old, it's hard for me to get my mind around community that is online, community that is through the internet. But yeah, I'm hearing a lot of that. I'm hearing that we're going through this, this seismic shift in our culture where it used to be community was on the playground, community was in the cafeteria, community was in the classroom. But many, many of the teens and young people I'm hearing of, their community is online. It's through video games that hook them up in chat rooms and with others all around the nation, actually. Yeah. Did 2020 and COVID affect adults more or children more from your perspective? Boy, that that is a great question. You know, from my perspective, my venue and view here at the church, it, it feels to me that it has affected our children more than it has the adults. You know, the, the children are resilient, yes, but adults have learned ups and downs and they've learned life is difficult and they're questioning, but I have really seen it affect our teens and children. And as a pastor in this church, and Tony, you know, you attend this fellowship. I'm so thankful for you and Julie. I walk through this hallway on a Sunday and rub shoulders, brush shoulders with the students and the children, and I just see an emptiness in their eyes. I see, I see the pain on their face. And when I pull them aside as a pastor and just say, hey, how are you doing? How's school? How's life going? I don't see the excitement I used to see. I don't see the, the fun in life anymore to them. How do you handle that? That's, you know, that's a great question. I think the, the first thing is, is moments like this. I think this moment with you, where you and I can bring the topic through this podcast out in the open, get the discussion started, get us talking about, you know, not only do we have a, a culture to save, we have a, a generation to save. You know, Benjamin Franklin said, you can measure the health of a nation by the laughter and joy of its children. And if there's any truth that at all, we've, we've got a crisis on our hands here that we're not talking enough about uh, realistically and creating answers. How much, how important it is getting back to normal and how long do you think it'll take before people are back to normal when it's really in our rearview mirror? Yeah, that, I, I so appreciate that question. You know, I have, to, I have to humbly say to you that when this pandemic first hit, I remember saying to the staff, hold on, let's sit tight here, you know, give it six months and we'll be through this. So that kind of tells you how, how out of touch I was with the situation. And I think a lot of us were there. I think, in, in, are we into a new normal? You know, Tony, the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that while 
discussions of how long is this a new normal are healthy discussions. We need to have those discussions. I really would steer us right now towards let's be in the moment and say, we don't know what the new normal is. We don't know how long this is going to last, but we know we've got the health of our teens and the health of our children that we have to put at the top of the list and make that happen. Dave, we talked about adults and we talked about kids, but let's talk about the seniors, Mm -hmm. especially with those who maybe lost loved ones who are isolated, who are alone. They can't go to church. They can't get out to the senior centers or whatever. What have you seen from that community? You you know, boy, Tony, I I didn't know you were going to ask me that question, but I so appreciate it because you just hit a hot button with me, you know, with probably of all the generations that I've had the most heartache for in this has has been the seniors here. They've been isolated. They've been isolated from family. They've been isolated in many regards. They've been isolated from some basic health care they needed. And, you know, as people are older, the more critical health care is, and they've not gotten the health care. And as they've lost loved ones, they have not held their funerals. They've put off grieving. And there's a real crisis among our senior adults that is, to me, is, is almost cataclysmic. It's incredible what they're going through. We're talking with Pastor Dave Coleman from the Williamson Free Methodist Church. And Dave, the, the focus of our show is media and media reaction. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about that. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Travel for fun and excitement, craving a relaxing getaway. No matter where you want to go or what you want to do, you can trust Dean Trailways to get you there. Our luxury motor coach lets you relax while you travel. No traffic to worry about, no parking fees, no hassle. Are you looking for some sizzling excitement this fall? Let Dean Trailways bring on the heat and take you to Firekeepers, Michigan's newest gaming hotspot. Experience the thrills of the slots, blackjack, craps, the live poker room, and indulge in the world-class restaurants, all while counting on Dean to bring you home safely. Dean Trailways of Michigan. Travel smart. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. You're listening to the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with Pastor Dave Coleman from the Williamston Free Methodist Church. And our focus has been on talking about how COVID has, from his perspective, affected children, adults, and seniors. And I want to talk about it now from the media perspective. Pastor, has anyone reached out to you from the media to get your take on how COVID affected has affected seniors, adults, as well as kids? Yeah, to, to date, no. In fact, I so appreciate this moment with you, Tony, because this is my first time to really get to share my heart and share the story of what I see. What about when you get together with other folks who who are religious leaders? What do they say? Is the media coming to them and, 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 and trying to get a take? No, no, not at all. In, in fact, you know, as, as a part of the, the Free Methodist Church, I'm a part of a network of ministers literally around the nation. And we, we Zoom, we, we, we connect often, share stories, share experiences. And that is one of the things that we have talked about. There seems to be this black curtain between the churches and much of what's happening with people in the people care ministries or people care services in the media. And we're not convinced they're really in touch with what's going on behind closed doors and in people's lives. 
do you think there is an effort from the media to disassociate itself from from the church uh, in regards to gathering information about what's happening? It feels that way. It feels that way. Now, I I can't say that I have I've I've read or seen you know valid stats or or uh, information that validates that they're keeping a distance from us. They're blocking out, but it, it sure feels that way. And I know as I watch the media, listen to the media repeatedly, I find myself shaking my head saying they, they're just not in touch with what's going on in, in America and behind closed doors. How does that make you feel? Well, I, it makes me feel even more isolated. I probably like many of us, it makes me fight off a sense of hopelessness because, boy, if they're not in touch or they're misconstruing what's going on, it's just going to make it that much tougher for us to get back on track as a community. Well, I think there's a large segment of the population that would say that the media is one-sided and is biased. And uh, I think the ignorance in the media shows their lack of touch with being with the people, thinking that that faith, that churches only deal with pushing a God narrative, if you will, and they have no idea of how much you are involved in the community, in schools, in charities, and how being on the streets, being right out there, you have information that you could share. Yeah. yeah we, you know, those of us who have been in the ministry quite a long time, like I have, we, we talk about being in the ministry is really to do a life in the trenches where people live. And, you know, re- repeatedly, as I watch the media, I do see a one-sidedness that seems to be pushing more of an agenda, more of a political bias, rather than what is really going on in our culture, in our communities, and in people's lives, and how are we addressing that? Why is that, Dave? Why do you think they're think, pushing that narrative? Sure. I think, the, I think a couple of things. I think the narrative started long before COVID, and COVID has become a very convenient avenue to push a separation church-state agenda. I think it's become a very convenient opportunity. As, as one person said in, in politics, let's not waste a good crisis when COVID started. It's become a, a good narrative, a, a simple narrative for them to push political agendas that quite honestly, by the very fact or the way they function, separate the church from ministering in the Joe Public's arena. I find it curious how the media will do that with with faith-based entities, Mm -hmm. especially most of those entities don't put down or or have a negative take on any certain news organization, but yet they are hitting faith, not only faith-based, but just faith right in the gut, trying to disassociate it from from the population. They are. And boy, Tony, you, right on. And you know, it, it's, you know, the, the statistics show, and I don't have those in front of me, so I, I'm willing to be checked on this. The Americans are very faith-based. You know, those in America who claim a faith and that faith is important to them is much higher than the media wants you to believe the experience. And I, I'm a little concerned this cancel culture that we've gotten into that is so dysfunctional has people who would even want the church and faith to be involved they say they they can't afford to do it because it's too controversial. And isn't it interesting how the media would disassociate itself from faith and faith-based entities, not only gathering information, but getting their take 
on COVID and, and the people, considering there's not very many other places you can go. We keep going all these other places to find out what's happening in the streets, and they right. won't talk to the people who are there. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're living it and we're breathing it, you know. And so I see more and more and more that the church is beginning to come together as a community behind the scenes. That's the good news. People are returning to the faith. People are coming back to community and understanding how important faith is in their life. And together, we we hope and pray we're starting to find answers through this journey. Well, and faith could be a tool to help us get past and, and deal with with this challenge. Dave, what, what would your message to the media, if you could just sit down with them and have a cup of coffee with whoever it may be in the media, especially locally, what would you say to them? Well, I, it's, it'd be a funny way to start the conversation, but I would simply begin by saying, we're not the enemy. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not against you. You know, we're not fanatics. We're people just like you who have put our faith in God and have a strong faith base. And we want what is the best for people and the best for our communities, just like you do. And there's no reason to have walls between us. It's time to start building some bridges. We've been talking with Pastor Dave Coleman from the Williamson Free Methodist Church. Dave, thanks so much. I appreciate you greatly. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm Tony Connolly. This has been Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.